Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. on Steelers Nation Radio. It is high noon on a Thursday afternoon. That could only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Wesley Euler rocking and rolling with you solo today here on SNR and Fox Sports Pittsburgh. But you didn't know the drill. You're never solo when I got you guys with me. The power grids, the megawatts, and of course, our buddy Brian Bacco will join me in hour number two. I just totally butchered Brian's first name. Brian Bacco. Hey, don't say that five times fast. He will join me a little over an hour from now. We have got a jam-packed Thursday show today. As always, this will be the last show of the week because at this time tomorrow, my butt will be on a flight to Baltimore. To Baltimore? Where'd you from? Baltimore. What? Baltimore. Baltimore? Look, it doesn't really matter, all right? As we, of course, will be traveling out tomorrow in anticipation of Steelers, Ravens, Saturday at 4.30 there in Baltimore, right by the water in what is a huge one for the Steelers. Not obviously uh, as big for our purple-clad rivals over there in Baltimore. We know they've got the number one seed locked up. They've got the division title in the bag already. Lamar Jackson not going to play. Harbaugh being a little uh, cryptic on everybody else's availability. I do think we will see some of the other bigger names for Baltimore, albeit not for 60 minutes. Feels like guys like Odell Beckham Jr., you know, maybe a little longer in the tooth guys won't play much. I do, obviously. I mean, they can't sit all 22 of their starters on both sides of the football. They just don't have enough on the roster to do so. So I think we'll see a lot of guys play a series a couple series, maybe a quarter, something like that, before we see a lot of uh, substitutions and things like that from Baltimore. So certainly a uh, a mixed bag in a lot of ways. A box of chocolates in a lot of ways. You never know what you're going to get uh, other than, of course, Lamar Jackson, who is most likely going to win MVP here in the next couple of weeks, uh, will not be playing for the Baltimore Ravens. So... As we always do on a Thursday, it's time for Three Things Thursday, which is our scouting segment here on the program. Three things about the Steelers, three things about the Ravens, three likes, I should say, and dislikes for each team, and where they currently are here heading into Week 18, the final week of the regular season. This is our little advanced scout segment, right, if you will. And this, I'm not going to lie to you, was difficult to put together today. Just because of all the uncertainty around Baltimore and who we might see and who might rest and even some of the starters that we might see, how much are they really going to play, right? Not going to lie to you. It was a little bit of a challenge this morning putting together my three things for the Steelers and three things for the Baltimore Ravens, but I gave it my best shot. Let's get into it. We will start always with our guests, the Baltimore Ravens, and we'll treat them kindly even though we don't like those rat birds around here. And we'll begin with the likes, the positives for Baltimore. And obviously, 
for a team with the best record in the NFL. There are a lot of positives currently for this Baltimore Ravens team. I'm going to go to start out the uh, the conversation here, though. I'm going to go with the roster balance even after paying Lamar Jackson. Now, this is a bigger picture one for Baltimore, but normally when you have a quarterback demanding the large contract, you got to pay that piper somewhere else within your salary cap, right? It's the National Football League. You can't be the Dodgers and just pay everybody. You got to make decisions, and those decisions get really difficult when you have a quarterback making that big-time money, that franchise QB money like Lamar Jackson is. But you look across the Ravens roster, and, I mean, tell me where the weakness is. Okay, maybe they could be a little more stout on the defensive line. But other than that, they got studs on the O-line. They got studs in the second level of that defense, studs in the secondary. They've got some really good wide receivers and a nice balance between veterans and young guys. Even with Mark Andrews out, and don't look now, but it looks like he might be healthy to play in the playoffs for Baltimore, and man, that would be a big boost for them. Isaiah likely still been killing it at the tight end position. they got a plethora of running backs. They've got one of the better quarterbacks in the National Football League. You look at their roster compared to some of these other teams that have paid quarterback, you know, compared to the Chiefs, compared to the Bengals, compared to the Bills, compared to the Eagles. They just... They have got a really complete roster. It's impressive the lack of holes on that roster despite having, you know, a franchise salary, a franchise quarterback salary on the books, I should say. It's really impressive their roster balance even now still with that Lamar contract. That's number one. Number two is Todd Munkin's offense. I mean, again, Mark Andrews got hurt in week 11, I think it was, against the Cincinnati Bengals. And everyone thought, ah, well, Baltimore's offense is about to take a step back. Mark Andrews is such a key part of what they do. He's Lamar Jackson's favorite target. He opens up things on the outside for guys like Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham Jr. and Bateman and and those talented wide receivers that they have. Baltimore's not going to be the same without Mark Andrews. Well, I guess in a way, everybody was right because their offense hasn't been the same. It's actually gone to another level. Like I said, Isaiah Likely is a huge part of that. He stepped in for Mark Andrews and kept that train humming, but Zay Flowers has gotten better. Odell Beckham Jr. has settled in nicely. Their offensive line is playing at a high level, and their quarterback, Lamar Jackson, is playing probably the best football of his career. Todd Munkin deserves credit in that. He is able to keep that thing humming, when they lost their biggest weapon and everybody thought, okay, Baltimore's going to struggle now. In fact, they've gone the opposite way. And uh, and Todd Munkin deserves a ton of credit for that. His offense, as much as I hate saying it, been a lot of fun to watch. That's number two for me on the likes for what Baltimore has going for him. And number three, and this one plays, you know, those first two were more kind of globally speaking with Baltimore. This one actually does speak to the Week 18 contest against the Steelers. The third and final like from a Ravens standpoint is they are always competitive. From start to finish this season in every single game, they are 11-3. and three. The Baltimore Ravens, no, wait, they're not 11-3. and three. The Baltimore Ravens? That's impossible. That's not enough games. What's the Ravens' record? Oh, no. Hold on. This is wrong here. It's not 11 and 3. It's Wait, quick, do the math. We'll make it 13 and 3. Okay. They're 13 and 3 are the Baltimore Ravens this season. I was going to say I was checking my notes here and I was like, wait a second, 11 and 3. That math ain't math. And 13 and 3. And in those three losses, folks, 
They have lost by three points, seven points. The Steelers, by the way, their biggest loss of the season, and two points. Let me say that again for dramatic effect. They're 13-3, and and their three losses have come by three points, seven points, and two points. Three losses on the season by a combined 12 points. So even when they lose, it's still going down to the wire. They're not losing by multiple possessions. They're not losing by multiple digits. They have either won or been competitive right down to the wire in every single game they've played this season. And unfortunately, I think it's going to be the same thing on Saturday. Almost said Sunday. On Saturday in Baltimore. I expect the Steelers to win. We'll get to that later on. But I don't expect it to be easy. Because the Ravens this year, in every situation, have been competitive. And even without some of their best players, I expect that to continue. So the three things that the Ravens have going for them, the three likes, are their roster balance, even with paying a franchise quarterback contract. The Todd Munkin offense that is still humming. In fact, even better, you could argue, without Mark Andrews and since his absence in Week 11. And then three, this this team has been competitive in every single game they've played. 13-3, and three, those three losses by a combined 12 points, never lost by more than a single score. How about some dislikes now, though? This is more fun to talk for Baltimore. One, this is a selfish one, but I dislike that I'm going to see their B team. Okay, I know it's good for the Steelers. Don't get me wrong. And in that standpoint, I appreciate it. Gives the Steelers a better chance to win, better chance to make the playoffs. Me for a better chance to get another game check or two or three or four. What? Which I never mind either. But it's Steelers-Ravens. Like, I want to see the show, man. I know as the the fan, right, you, 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 you don't want to do the pride thing. You're like, screw it. I'll take a victory however we can get it. Who cares? You'll take the two wins over the Bengals. You don't care that you didn't have to see Joe Burrow, right? Give me the two wins over the Bengals. But, man, there's just always something about Steelers-Ravens. That's the game you circle, particularly when this schedule came out and we were all like, man, you know that final game in Baltimore is going to have some ramifications. And I almost, like the the football lover, right? The, the, if I could put the Steelers fan and just what's purely best for the black and gold on the shelf – for, for a quick second, just the football dork in me, the football lover in me, man, wishes that we were seeing both of the This Steelers team who's playing the best they have all season against a Baltimore team who's playing like the best team in the league. That's the five-star matchup, baby, but we're not going to get that. We're going to get the Ravens B team. I dislike that. Albeit, I know it's better for the Steelers, but the competitor in me, right? That dog deep down wants to see their best against our best lining up. And unfortunately, that's not going to be the case. And man, doesn't it seem like that's been the case way too often in Steelers, Ravens over the last couple of years? It just feels like one of these teams is always shorthanded. There's either no Ben Roethlisberger, he's banged up. No Lamar Jackson, he's banged up. Now we're going to rest some guys. It's It's been frustrating in that regard because this is one of those games that you really look forward to. Number two dislike for the Ravens, and you know what our compadre Arthur Motes discussed this yesterday, their communication on the back end. For as talented as they are, with guys like Humphreys and and guys like Kyle Hamilton, as much splash as they create on that back end too. We'll get to some of that when we when we do stranger stats at the top of the one o'clock hour. Their communication on the back end can struggle at times. They allow way too many big plays. You saw that a little bit against Miami. Now they won that game comfortably and the Dolphins only scored nineteen. But if the Dolphins would have executed a little bit better, they could have easily, easily scored in the twenties, if not the thirties. 
Now they would have still would have lost because the Ravens scored in the 50s, right? But I think you get my point. Baltimore got away with it on Sunday against Miami because they played so well. But in the postseason, in a tighter game, things like that can cost you. They're just not as buttoned up on the back end from a communication, from an assignment standpoint, as you think a unit that talented would be on a team that good this late in the season. And then the third and final uh, Ravens dislike is Butterfingers. They got 21 fumbles on the season. They played 16 games. They got 21 fumbles. I could do the math on that one. That's more than one fumble per game. That's too much. They are right outside the top 10 in the NFL in the amount of fumbles. And I realize maybe I'm grasping at straws with this one a little bit, but the team is bleeping 13-3. and All right, you go find some dislikes. They don't have a lot of weaknesses. I'm working with what I got here. And for a team that good, 21 fumbles is too many. That's six more than the Steelers have. Can't have it. Again, particularly when you're a team like Baltimore that truly is on that short list of Super Bowl contenders right now, that can be another one of those things that can cost a really good team like Baltimore in a close game. So that's my third and final dislike. That we're going to see their B team, their communication is struggling on the back end, and they've got 21 fumbles in 16 games. That's way too much. That's my three things on the Baltimore Ravens. Now let's look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll do it opposite here with the Steelers. We'll start with the dislikes, and then we'll finish strong with the positive. It's funny, after these last two weeks, I'm kind of grasping for dislikes for the Steelers, too. Got a lot going in their uh, way, do the Steelers. And this is supposed to be more of a week-to-week scouting, right? Number one, though, that I dislike about the Steelers is that their own fate is not in their hands. Is it fate? Is it destiny? Are we going to get into that debate again? I don't give a rip. Whatever you want to call it, they don't control their own outlook. It's in others' hands. They need Jacksonville to lose. They need Baltimore to lose. They need some crazy tie scenarios or non-tie scenarios to happen, right? Yes, you have to win, and that's the most important thing, controlling what you can control. But much like last year, you just hate to be in a position where you can still make the playoffs, where you got about a coin flip chance. But you're going to need to get some help, and you just hate having your fate in the hands of others. That's number one to dislike about the Steelers right now. Number two, dislike is again, I would really like to see this team against the full Ravens roster. I would really like to see this Steelers defense, which is sounds like getting some reinforcements, but is still pretty banged up against Lamar Jackson, a quarterback they've had a ton of success against who's playing at a very high level right now. Would have been a great test for this Steelers defense. And then on the flip side of things, for Mason Rudolph, for that run game, for that offensive line, For George Pickens and Deontay Johnson, a lot going, a lot firing for the Steelers' offense. The best that it has all year. They're firing on all cylinders right now, right? I would love to see them against a Ravens defense that has allowed the fewest points per game in the National Football League as well, too. One of the best units in the entire NFL. I'd love to see Mason Rudolph against that challenge for more of the evaluation. Heck, I'd love to see Kenny Pickett. If, 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 if Kenny were still healthier, Kenny were going to be the guy. I'd love to see him against a full Ravens roster instead of a patchwork B team. And that patchwork B team is still really good and still capable of making plays, without a doubt. But, again, this plays more to the football dork in me than the black and gold glasses-wearing radio host. Yes, I realize it's better that the Steelers are not going against the full gambit of the best team in football's roster at this point. But selfishly, I would like to see that challenge. That's number two for me. 
And then number three is the weather we're going to have to endure. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but it looks crappy in Baltimore this weekend. To be fair, it looks kind of crappy all across the Mid-Atlantic. Supposed to get some rain, supposed to get some snow, supposed to get some nasty weather. Chance of precipitation is 100% for Saturday in Baltimore. So whether it's rain or snow, depending on how cold it is, we getting something. It's going to be nasty out there. And maybe that plays into Baltimore's hands a little bit more, too. Since they're going to be shorthanded, you get a nastier game, you keep it closer to the vest, bad weather, mistakes play a greater factor. I do think that favors Baltimore when they're going to be sitting some of their best players. So, not a fan of that. We've been fortunate this year. The Steelers haven't really played a bad weather game this year. Last year, we had a couple. Baltimore was bad last year down the stretch. Christmas Eve against the Raiders. My goodness, that's one of the coldest uh, football games I've ever been at in my lifetime. This year, the Steelers Steelers have been pretty fortunate. Haven't had a crazy cold game. Haven't had a crazy bad weather game. They could get one. They probably will get one, barring a miracle, Saturday in Baltimore. And I don't like that. So the three Steelers dislikes one. Their fate is in others' hands. Two, I would really like to see this team who is humming right now on offense and getting some reinforcements back on defense against the full Baltimore Ravens roster to really have that challenge is you got to make some key personnel decisions. As always, this is your kind of last evaluation or at least last regular season evaluation of some you know critical decisions you're going to have to make on both sides of the football. And then third, just the weather we're going to have to endure that we've been spoiled to not have to see yet this season. All right, three Steelers likes as we wrap up this first segment of the show here. Number one is the run game. Again, we'll talk a little bit more uh, specific numbers and stats when I do stranger stats at 1 o'clock. But, man, the Steelers' run game, make no mistake about it, has been a huge part of their success as of late. Naj is going at a high level. Jalen Warren is going at a high level. The offensive line is playing as well as we've seen in some time. That's opening up opportunities for Mason Rudolph, for George Pickens, for Deontay Johnson, for Allen Robinson, for Pat Fryermuth, for everybody across the rest of the offense. Gotta love that run game. We talked a little bit about yesterday of, you know, make no mistake about it, this is what the Steelers wanted to be on offense. They wanted to be able to run the ball behind that O-line with Najee and Jalen and use that to open up everything else. Maybe it took a little bit longer to come together than we had all hoped, but this has been the master plan. This has been the blueprint, and uh, they've executed it pretty well here over the last couple weeks. Staying with that second Steelers-like is just their offensive momentum. Feels different, doesn't it? The energy. You saw that started against Cincinnati, second play of the game for the offense. Um and they go 86 yards, George Pickens to the house. They've been off and running literally ever since then. The emotion has been high. The effort and the intensity, the physicality has been high. It's a fun offense to watch right now. They got swagger. They got moxie. They got belief. They got momentum. And, man, we haven't said that very often yet this year. That's number two on the list of Steelers likes. And then number three is the return of splash defense moments. Right, Big part of why the Steelers were able to so comfortably beat Cincinnati was, yes, the start that they had on offense without a doubt, but they were able to get to Jake Browning and turn him over and make mistakes. You know, we talked about this. In Indianapolis, the Steelers turned the ball over three times. They didn't have any takeaways. That is the opposite of the recipe for the Steelers. That's what spells disaster for the black and gold. They are not built to win games like that. But then they come back against Cincinnati. They flip that script. They take the ball away three times. They have no turnovers. Against Seattle, what was the big key moment? The Nick Herbig strip sack on Geno Smith. You take care of the football. You get that one key turnover. That was a huge part of making the difference. 
So over these last two games, after being negative three ratio against Cincinnati or against Indy, pardon me, you're now plus four in your last games against Cincinnati and Seattle. That's the formula for this team in general, but particularly for the defense. We know the offense has to take care of the football. That's a mantra for every offense in the league, particularly for the Steelers. But what's a bigger mantra is the Steelers need that defense to take the ball away. That's what they're built for. That's what this team is predicated upon. And they've been doing that again over the last two weeks. A big part of why they've gotten victories the last two weeks. So, once again, the three likes for the Steelers heading into Baltimore this weekend. Week 18, the final week of the NFL regular season. Number one, the run game. Number two, the offensive momentum. And number three, the splash moments on defense coming back to the forefront here. All of those things to be excited about. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler. You know where to get at me. We'll get to your tweets as we roll along. We'll do a little best of the West when we come back on the other side. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Full transparency if you're listening live and just heard that like 15, 20-second pause, silence there. I don't know what happened to my log. You know, we got to kind of paint a picture for you, right? You got your, your control log, if you will, right? It's got all your commercials, your different sounders and everything that you want to play. And right when it went to hit this gorgeous sound bed that we're listening to right now. It just froze up there for about 20 seconds. I had no idea what happened. Yes, I was a little panicked. Yes, if you're listening to this back in the loop or on the podcast, it's not going to matter, and I'm just wasting your time. But I just had to address that. little transparency on Twitter, at Wesley Euler. That's where you get involved with the show. Whether the log is frozen or not, we will find a way to persevere, and it is time for... It's something I enjoy every week. It's the hey, we do a we do some global conversation on this show, particularly in the off season, more so, right? Um, but we take this time every single week, little best of the West. It's a simple concept. It's my NFL power rankings. Now for the week sixteen edition, man, time week 16 week 18 edition. Pardon me, time is certainly flying here. Final regular season of the NFL. I'm just butchering everything right now. This log's got me rattled. Final regular season of the NFL. I just missed. Final week of the NFL regular season. See, now I'm thinking about everything too much. I'm gripping the bat too hard, baby. I'm like I'm like Evgeny Malkin, and I haven't scored a goal in six or seven games, and now all of a sudden I'm getting a little too tight and gripping the stick a little too hard. And the baseball guy who hasn't gotten a hit in four or five days, and now I'm thinking about it too much. Week 18, final week of the NFL regular season. Here's my best of the West power rankings. As always, we start with the top, and as they have been for a couple weeks now, ever since that Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, pardon me, uh, beat down of the San Francisco 49ers, it is, of course, the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, I hate it. You hate it. But they've got the best record in the NFL. They've already clinched the number one seed in the AFC. They've already clinched the AFC North. Lamar Jackson's going to win the MVP. It's a really good football team who now, you know, gets a chance to rest some guys as well, too, because... Like everybody 
uh, in the NFL at this point of the season. They got their bumps and bruises. They're a little banged up. Some of those guys going to get a couple weeks off. Some of those guys going to get light work this week and then a week off. I hate it. You hate it. But the Ravens are in a really good situation right now, and they are number one on my power rankings. Number two is the Niners. Um, they're they're a team that desperately needs a first-round buy. You know, they Christian McCaffrey's a little banged up. Brock Purdy's a little banged up. Offensive line, a little banged up. I still think the Niners are a really good team. I realize they haven't lit the world on fire the last couple of weeks, but to me, they are still the clear-cut number two team in the league. To me, the Ravens and the Niners have to be heavy favorites to meet in the Super Bowl because there's some other really good teams that we'll get into here. But those two feel like just a half step above everybody else. Those two feel like they've got the the, the right formula. You know, the Niners, they've just got an insanely stacked roster, and when Brock Purdy is playing at a at a good level, man, they are just humming, and they've got one of the best defenses in the league, along with Baltimore, one of the best defenses in the league, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, weapons all over that offense. To me, Baltimore and San Francisco should be the heavy favorites to win the AFC and to win the NFC, respectively. I've got San Fran at number two on my list. They are a team, though, that desperately needs that first-round buy. They need McCaffrey to get a good spa day. They need Purdy to have a little time to breathe. Trent to have a little time to breathe. And and, and they're a dangerous team. Now, this is where it gets really hard. Because I think from spot three to about spot seven or eight, there's not a lot to replace these teams. Ravens and Niners are God tier. They're tier one. They're Super Bowl favorites. These next handful of teams are Super Bowl contenders. And... I don't I I thought about the Bills, but that's too rich at three for right now. I thought about the Dolphins, but they just got their butts handed to them by the Ravens. It it's the Cowboys. And I know, you know, Dallas got that win against the Lions, controversial decision and penalty at the end of the game. And if they would have lost that game, I'd be saying the same thing that I'm saying about the uh the Dolphins as them too. I don't trust the Cowboys on the road in the postseason. But, you know, Dallas now should clinch the NFC East, should play at home, you know, for every game except for if they have to go to San Francisco for the NFC Championship. I still don't trust the Cowboys, but I got them at number three. Because I got the Dolphins at four. Can't have can't have the Dolphins up there when they just – can't have Miami at number three when they just got worked like that. Can't do it. Number four is the Dolphins. Number five for me is the Bills, which I guess I'm kind of going against myself because I do think the Bills are going to win this weekend. Albeit, though, that game being in Miami, man, the Dolphins are just a different team at home. They just are. So I got the Dolphins at four, the Bills at five. I got the Lions at six. And again, the Lions would certainly be top five if they would have gotten things to go their way and they ended up beating the Cowboys. That's the luck of the draw, and this is a week-to-week thing. I don't think, again, the Niners are the class of the NFC, but after that, I don't think there's much to separate the Cowboys, to separate the Lions, to separate the Eagles. I've got Detroit at number six. Number seven, I've got the Chiefs, the lowest they've been on this list for, in large part for this season. Some just feels off with the Chiefs, doesn't it? You know, yeah, they, they got that much-needed win Sunday against the Bengals, but it's not the same Bengals. Um, but I do believe in that defense. I do believe in, in Pacheco, Pacheco and that run game that they've got going. 
And listen, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, they're always going to be capable of getting hot. I got the Chiefs at seven. I got the Eagles at eight. I, man, what to think of the Eagles? They're 11 and five. But they're also, what, one and four in their last five games. Jalen Hurts doesn't quite look the same. Their offense doesn't quite look the same. Their defense doesn't quite look the same. This is the lowest I think I've had the Eagles all year in these best of the West power rankings. And that's not the direction you want to be trending when you head to the final week of the regular season. But the Eagles are my final could win the Super Bowl team. I think there's eight teams that could win the Super Bowl. Okay? So my favorites, Ravens and Niners, they're at one and two on the list. And then Cowboys, Dolphins, Bills, Lions, Chiefs, Eagles, those five, six teams, pardon me, are Super Bowl contenders. That's where I draw the line. I can see any of those eight teams winning the Super Bowl. I'd have, again, the Ravens and the Niners as the favorite, but any of those other six, it wouldn't shock me. Well, actually, it would shock me if it was the Cowboys because that's just what the Cowboys do is vomit all over themselves when when, when it's time for, for crucial football moments, right? But those are the clear-cut best eight teams in the NFL. The eight teams, I think, again, that really have a chance to win a Super Bowl. The Lions may be in that same category as the Cowboys just because they they haven't been in this stage in so long, and it feels like maybe they're a year ahead of schedule but still a year away from really being a contender. But I got to throw the Lions in that conversation. Again, when you consider all teams like the Cowboys who the Lions should have just beaten, teams like the Eagles who are really struggling now, after the Ravens and the Niners, both conferences feel wide open. I got the Browns at 9. I don't think the Browns can win a Super Bowl, but they are playing really good football. They do have momentum going, and they do have a great defense. It wouldn't shock me if Cleveland won a playoff game, but I just don't think they're a Super Bowl contender. The defense isn't nearly as dominant on the road, and they're going to have to go on the road. And, you know, Joe Flacco's getting a little loosey-goosey now. That carriage is starting to turn back into a pumpkin a little bit. Still a good team, the Browns. But I got them at nine, and I've got them as the first that has no – I've seen a lot of people list the Browns as teams they think they, they think could win the Super Bowl. I just don't see it at all. The defense, like I said, isn't nearly as good on the road as it is at home. And they're just – eventually that many injuries on offense is going to cost you. Flacco deserves credit. He's 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 he's, he's you know, been a breath of, of fresh air, new life in Cleveland. But – your offensive line's been decimated all year. Nick Chubb, your best player on offense, has been out since week two. Like, eventually that catches up to you. Credit to Cleveland that they're playing good football. They're going to comfortably make the playoffs, all those things, despite all the adversity that they've had. But I just – I got them at nine. I don't – some I've seen some NFL power rankings. They got them at six or seven this week. I just don't see that. And then at number 10, for the second straight week, I have no idea who to put here. I went with the Rams – because they've probably got the quarterback head coach connection that I trust the most. And just two years ago, they won the Super Bowl, so they've still got a lot of experienced guys on that roster, like Stafford, like Aaron Donald, that know what it takes to win a championship. I think the Browns are clearly nine. They're clearly the next wave after those top eight teams. But then I got no clue. I'll go with the Rams again because of those things. But the Texans could be here. The Jags could be here. The Colts could be here. The Steelers could be here. But I'm going to go with the Rams just because the quarterback, head coach combination, and them having the most success in the postseason of these teams recently. So, one more time from the top. Best of the West, week 18, final week of the regular season edition. Ravens 1, Niners 2. That's my Super Bowl favorites tier. 
Cowboys, Dolphins, Bills, Lions, Chiefs, Eagles. That's my Super Bowl contenders tier. Browns, nine. And then uh, the L.A. Rams, ten. That's your best of the West as we get ready for the final week of the regular season. We will do playoff editions of best of the West as we roll along. I don't know if I'm going to do one every single week. Maybe I'll just do a final best of the West when the season ends. But you have to continue to tune in to find out. Get to some of your reaction on the other side. Close down the first hour of the show with some of your tweets. Also, we got to get that paper. Show me the money. Show me the money! We'll do all that to close down hour number one. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Steeler Nation 920, our buddy Tyler up in Wisconsin tweets, Niners and Ravens Super Bowl would be my nightmare. My best friend is a Niners fan, and they can't win six till we get seven. And also, Baltimore, you already know, worst case scenario. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. I... I know a lot of Steelers fans still think that about the Niners. I don't care as much about the six Super Bowl thing now that the Patriots have it as well, too. If the Steelers were still the only team with six, I would I would care more about that. I care more now. I want to be the first team to seven, right? Steelers were first to four. They were first to six. Let's be the first to seven as well, too. I care more about that than somebody t- – like, if you were to tell me the Niners win the Super Bowl this year and get to six, but the Steelers win it next year and get to seven, I would sign for that in blood right now, without a doubt. My nightmare Super Bowl, okay, it would obviously be the Cowboys from the NFC because it's just the bleeping Cowboys. They're insufferable, and they haven't won buckus since I was, like, learning how to walk. Got to be the Cowboys out of the NFC. And uh, like, I, I, I would say the Browns, but I don't think the – now, you can you can get the record on this, all right? It's 1247 – Eastern Standard Time on Thursday, January 4th. I just don't think the Browns have any realistic shot of even going to the Super Bowl. They are a good team. They're going to finish ahead of the Steelers for the first time in four decades in the standings. So, you know, I I don't want to be that guy who has no shame and I'm going to talk trash on the Browns when they're having a better season than us. I, I, I can say that the Browns are having a better season than we are because it's the truth. But I don't see them as a... Super Bowl contender. Not like the Bills with Josh Allen. Not like the Dolphins with what they've got on offense. Not like the Chiefs with what they've got in their head coach and their quarterback and what they've done the last five years. I just, can the Browns win a playoff game? Heck, maybe even two? Sure. But they're not the same team on the road. I just don't think that that's viable. So, and you know what's funny? I would say Bills, too. Maybe Bills' nightmare scenario, just because I'd have to hear it from Moats. And one of my best friends, Eric, is is from Buffalo and is a huge Bills fan. But I got no beef with Buffalo. They got some of the best fans in the sport. Fans that I would argue deserve a Super Bowl for all the loyalty that they've shown over the years. So, yeah, I don't It's definitely the Cowboys, though. If we're talking nightmare scenario for the Super Bowl, it's for sure the Cowboys. I just don't know if I have a nightmare scenario in the AFC. I guess the Ravens, right? Because they have a really good chance, and we don't like them. 
So I don't think the Browns is realistic. In the Bills, I would be annoyed by Motsi and my buddy Eric, but I got no beef with Buffalo. Dolphins, I wouldn't mind seeing. Like, I'm not saying I'm rooting for the Dolphins or anything, but I wouldn't hate it either. I got no beef with the Dolphins. Chiefs? I mean, the Taylor Swift stuff would be kind of obnoxious, right? But I got no beef with Mahomes and Andy Reid, too. I think they're two of the best to ever do it. Okay, so I guess it is. You know what? It's Cowboys-Browns. There you go. Or Cowboys-Ravens, because that's more realistic. Uh, You can get at me on Twitter, at Wesley Euler. We will uh, continue to take your tweets at hour number two of the show. But for now, it is time for our weekly pick we got to get that paper. Show me the money. Show me the money! Folks, I had a losing week last week. I am now 27-31 and 31 on the year. This is the sixth season that I've been doing this Show Me the Money segment. I have never ended a season with a losing record before. So everything is on the line here. Drastic times. Sorry, sorry, messed that up. Desperate times call for drastic measures. And so you know what I did this week? I picked every single bleeping game on the NFL slate for this weekend. You won it. You got it. Let's run the gambit. Let's pick them all. Steelers, minus three and a half in Baltimore. It's going to be a close one. It's going to be a heartburn one. But the Steelers will win by more than three and a half points. I'll give you my official prediction before we get out of here. Spoiler alert. The Steelers are going to win by four points. Steelers, minus three and a half. In Baltimore, they might even have to come from behind. Baltimore, they might be engaged early, some more starters playing early, get out to a lead, but the Steelers cover the three-and-a-half points in a must-win game. Colts are at home against the Texans. The Texans are one-point favorites, and I can see that. C.J. Stroud, they got a lot going for them. I really like what the Houston Texans have going for them in terms of the long term. We're going to be talking about them consistently being in this uh, AFC contenders conversation real soon, but the Colts are a different team at home. I think Jonathan Taylor is primed for a big game. So give me the Colts. Actually, you know what I'm going to do? Because plus one doesn't really make a ton of sense. I'm going to buy it up a half a point. So give me the Colts plus one and a half. Home dogs against the Texans. Panthers versus the Bucks. Speaking of home dogs, the Panthers are four and a half point uh, underdogs at home against Tampa. And Tampa last week really cost them. They got a banged-up Baker Mayfield now. He's going to play, and we know Baker's tough. We saw that in Cleveland. It takes a lot to keep that guy out of the lineup. It's one of the things you do have to give him credit for. But the Panthers, I think they've got a little momentum. They've played better football as of late. Now, granted, that's not really saying much. But I think at home, plus four and a half, even if the Buccaneers win, I still think that the Panthers keep it close. I think they want to end the season on a high note after a disappointing year. So give me the Panthers another home, home, home dog, plus four and a half against the Bucs and a banged-up Baker Mayfield. Brands are in Cincinnati. Brands got nothing to play for. A lot of dudes are going to rest. I like them, though, plus seven and a half. This is another one. You've It's mostly plus seven. You can find it plus seven and a half on a couple books. You can also just buy up the half a point. I think that's important, but I like the Browns plus seven and a half in Cincy. Part of me thinks I don't even need the points. I'll just take them as big money line underdogs, but I'm going to go Browns plus seven and a half. I'm going to use my head on this one in Cincinnati for some road dogs there for Cleveland. Lions at home against the Vikings, minus three and a half. Give me the Lions. They are pissed off about last week and the way they lost that game to the Cowboys. They want to end the season on a positive note heading into their first postseason Uh, Well, I should say their first division title, first time uh, 
it hasn't been since 1993 since they've been in the playoffs. It's been since 1993 that they've won a playoff game. They want to head to the playoffs with some momentum. Three-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Vikings. I think they win against a Minnesota team that doesn't really have anything to play for by seven, by ten, something like that. Give me the Lions comfortably at home against the Vikings. Patriots, Jets, and what could be Belichick's final game as the head coach. Darth Vader of the Patriots. Uh, The Jets are actually one-point favorites in New England. And what could be Bill Belichick's swan song? Nah, bump that. Give me the Patriots to beat the Jets to go out. Bill Belichick on a high note if this really is the end. Saints are in Atlanta. No, sorry. Saints are hosting the Falcons. Three-point favorites. They've still got something to play for. The Saints do. I think they get it done. Give me New Orleans minus three. The Jags, this is one we're keeping an eye on. I don't like this spot for Jacksonville, and maybe I'm just trying to speak this into existence, but Trevor Lawrence is banged up. He hasn't thrown yet at practice this week. He practiced yesterday, but he didn't throw. So what's that tell you? I don't like that at all. The Titans, did you hear Mike Vrabel this week talking about how he they're going to do everything they can to win this game because it, it bleeping sucks to lose? And that moment that Mike Vrabel had with the media – Titans, another one of those teams. They've got some things to build on. They want some positivity rolling into the offseason. They want to win their last game and feel good. Give me the Titans plus five and a half point underdogs at home against the Jags. I don't know if the Titans get it done for the Steelers, but I certainly think it's closer than a six-point margin, so I'll take Tennessee plus five and a half. Seahawks at Cardinals. Seahawks now, they've lost control of their destiny after that loss to the Steelers last week. The Cardinals have have proven they're not a team that's going to roll over and die. What does that mean for me in this one? I'm actually going to pick the over. Ah, this is the one that I'm not going to give you the spread. I'm going to give you the over-under, over 47.5 points. I actually think this will be a fun game between a Cardinals team that has some confidence right now and is just playing loose and a Seattle team that has a lot of talent on offense and knows they need to win to at least give themselves a chance and get some help. Seahawks in Arizona. Over 47.5 points scored in that one. Bears plus three in Green Bay. I just think the Bears got something going on right now. I think Justin Fields is going to play really well and make Chicago's decision even more difficult in the offseason. Chicago plus three is the underdogs at Lambeau. Chargers, Chiefs, a lot of people resting in this one for um, for Kansas City. A lot of people banged up for the Chargers. Give me San Diego, though, at home, minus three and a half. I just think the Chiefs are resting everybody. They don't really have anything to play for. They're locked into their spot. The Chargers, another one of those teams, been a disappointing year, going to want to finish on a high note and at least smile to end the season. Give me L.A. minus three and a half at home. Raiders minus two and a half at home against the Broncos. Broncos season's done. They they admitted that when they when they benched Russell Wilson. Raiders win a close one, minus two and a half. They'll cover that. Eagles in the Meadowlands against the Giants in New Jersey in one of the NFL's storied rivalries, New York and Philadelphia. I think Philly feels better about themselves this week. The Giants are not going to roll over and die, and Tyrod Taylor and a, an opponent that they enjoy beating and maybe even, you know, rubbing a little more dirt on the Eagles' wounds, salt in that wound for Philadelphia. But I think the Eagles get a win. They get themselves at least back in the right direction, heading into the postseason. They'll cover the minus four and a half. Niners are minus four versus the Rams. This is the Wentz versus Darnold Bowl, baby. Oh, yeah, get your tickets. This is like the uh, like the Tax Slayer Bowl that gets played at noon on a Tuesday in the middle of a holiday season that kicks off, you know, with – 
15,000 people in the stands and it's like Louisiana Monroe against Memphis or something like that. The Wentz and Darnold Bowl, baby. Niners minus four. They'll get it done against the Rams. Commanders, give me the Commanders plus 13 against the Cowboys for two reasons. One, actually three reasons. One, that's just a huge spread. Plus 13. Give me that all day in the NFL. Two, Ron Rivera. This is likely the end. I think they're going to want to send him out on a high note and they will play for coach one last time. And then Dallas just struggles on the road. Dak Prescott struggles on the road. The Cowboys are 3-5 and five away from home this season. Different team than they are at home. Cowboys still win. But give me the Commanders plus 13 to cover. And then finally, in the big one, Sunday night, Bills, Dolphins, two-seed in the AFC on the line. Steelers playoff hopes potentially on the line. I know the black and gold fans don't want to hear this, but I think Buffalo gets it done. Minus two and a half in Miami. And again, I know I just said in a previous segment the Dolphins are a different team at home as well, too. They're good at home. But the Bills, to me, are starting to get that team of destiny feeling a little bit. There's some 2005 Steelers vibes in there where, man, the whole season you felt like, what the heck? This team is really underperforming. And then just at the right time, they start to figure it out. And they get a big win, and they get a big win, and they get a big win, and they head to the playoffs with some momentum. I think that's going to be the Bills. Give me Buffalo minus two and a half, which means we need the Titans to get it done for our own sake. Those are my picks for this week. The longest winded show me the money ever. We're picking them all on the final week of the year. Let's go get some paper. Show me the money. Show me the money! On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, that's where you get involved with the show. More of your tweets in the second hour of the program. Joey tweets and says, Baltimore crab cakes, do you like them? Yes, don't love them, but I like them. I like crab cakes. I just I don't love crab cakes. I think in the, oh man, this might be a hot take before we go to break. I might get some angry tweets about this. I think in the pantheon of seafood, I think crab cakes are vastly overrated. Again, that doesn't mean that I dislike them. There's just a lot of other things that I would rather have. So I like, you know what, Joey? Yes, I like them. I don't love them. I'm not obsessed with them. But yes, Baltimore crab cakes do like them. They are tasty. I would just, there's some, some other things that I would prefer if I'm going to go to a seafood place in Baltimore like I just might be doing on Friday night. One hour in the books, another hour to go. Brian back in about 20 minutes. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR.